Hey, welcome to the hills. If it's your first time, you chose an amazing Sunday to come to church. Uh, a much younger, much browner preacher this morning at the 10 o'clock. If you're watching online all over the world, we love you. Thank you for joining us. Whatever time it is where you are, thank you for taking time to engage in God's presence and with his word. If you know me, you know that uh, born and raised in New York and what, yes, my New York section. Thank you. <laughs> And as a kid, I loved the movies. And one of the greatest directors of all time is a New Yorker, and his name is Spike Lee. I brought a picture of, of him for you because if you don't know who he is, you, you gotta know. He always made movies about New York. He, he made me feel seen as an inner city person of color. But Spike Lee's a legend. Spike Lee is also a very, very faithful Knicks fan. If you like basketball at all, you know the Knicks are not good. <laughs> the Mavericks also aren't good. But anyway, he is so faithful, Spike Lee is, that across the last 30 years, he has invested more than $10 million on courtside seats to Knicks game. Okay. The last time the Knicks won a championship, 1973. I'll do the math for you. 49 years ago. That means that for the last 30 years, Spike Lee has been investing money faithful to a team that continues to fail him. This morning, we're gonna talk about faithfulness. And as I was praying on what to share with you today, I realized that so much of our identity is extracted from what we're faithful to. A sports team like Spike Lee, a political party, a relationship, a career, a hobby. Our identity comes from what we're faithful to. And so, what do we do? When you think about the word faithfulness, what comes to mind? Think about it. Perhaps a word like loyal, commitment, consistent, marriage, or my favorite, covenant. Covenant. There are covenants all throughout the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. And we read about it. I want to say that the story of God and his people can be explained through this common thread all over scripture. Thread number one or part number one of the thread. God and people make a covenant to each other. Sweet. Number two, the people almost immediately break their side of the covenant while God is faithful. Uh, number three, uh, God allows the people to go pursue other gods, lowercase g on that, other passions, other things. Then number four, the people realize that life is not life without God, and so they cry out to God because they're coming under attack. And then number five, this faithful God that never breaks covenant comes and rescues his people. Repeat, repeat, repeat. I don't know if you can relate to that today, but I sure can. I'm like, God, I'll never abandon you. Two days later, I did. You know, in our text today, there's a guy named Joshua. And Joshua is nearing the end of his life. And he realizes this very cycle is happening. Because Joshua was around when a guy named Moses was around, and he assisted Moses. And so Joshua, I think he's gathering the people in our text today because he wants to do two things. One, he wants to recommit them to faithfulness to God. But I think also 
He wants them to realize that this cycle exists and he wants them to break it. I'll say it this way. Joshua wants the people of God to realize that they are the New York Knicks. But, but I think he also wants the people of God to realize that God is not Spike Lee. Uh, God doesn't just sit courtside and watch. God gets involved. God speaks. Joshua 24, this is God speaking through Joshua to the people of God. When you crossed the Jordan River and came to Jericho, the men of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites, all the ites. But I gave you victory over them, and I sent terror ahead of you to drive out the two kings of the Amorites. It was not your swords or bows that brought you victory. I gave you land you had not worked on, and I gave you towns you did not build, the towns where you now live. I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. I pray that when we think about the word faithfulness, the first word that comes to mind is God. Oh, he's faithful. Oh, he's faithful. And in our text so far, God is reminding his people because his people are forgetful. He's reminding his people the reason that they have what they have. He made a way where there was no way, obstacle after obstacle, opposition after opposition. Oh, it is so normal for us, especially in the American West, to depend on our own swords and bows. Manny, we don't have a sword. I know, here's what I mean. The sword of your talent, the sword of your hard work and dedication, the sword and the bows of your commitment and your financial status and your ability to work a room. If it weren't for God and his faithfulness, you wouldn't even know how to use a sword or a bow. You following? If it wasn't for God's faithfulness, you wouldn't even wake up this morning to be able to use your swords or your bows. He is faithful. And so that's what we're going to do for the next few moments. We're going to talk about his faithfulness. Is that okay? I got three points for you, and here's number one. God's faithfulness has a past. God's faithfulness has a past. Um, if you're a note taker today, I, I wrote this down and I felt like it was a download from the Holy Spirit. It's this, God did not start being God when you started being human. I hope you didn't miss it. Um, God did not begin to be who he is when you were born, friend. He has a history that you know not of. This is why we have the scriptures, so we could glean from the life of Joshua and the people that came before us and say, wow, God didn't start being faithful when I started being human. God's faithfulness has a past. I, I wrote it this way. God has a history with humanity, and his faithfulness is written on every page. I'll prove it to you. I want to go back a little further. I mentioned Moses earlier. Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 29, he does this very same gathering. Why? To speak about the very same thing. Decades before our text today, people, leaders like Moses are gathering the people of God to say, 
Can we remember the God that brought us out of Egypt? Can we remember the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Can we remember that even though we have times of infidelity, we serve a God that remains faithful? But I want to prove it a little harder this morning. In Genesis chapter 12, oh man, there's a man that we know as Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. I just learned that song because I didn't grow up in church. But before he was Father Abraham, his name was Abram. And he was no father at all, friends. He was a 75-year-old man in the verse we're about to read with a wife and a nephew. And God, yes, this same God speaks to him. And he says, hey, I'm assuming that God is from New York, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I want you to leave everything you know. Take your wife and your nephew, Lot, and I want you to go where I tell you to go, period. And Abram is like, okay. Genesis 12, verse 6, let's read it. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. Come on, everybody say Shechem. It's fun to say. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Uh, this is God's word. Why does this verse speak about God's faithfulness having a past? Here's why. In our text today, in Joshua 24, you know where they're meeting? At Shechem. That's why I had you say that. What does this mean? This moment with Abram in Genesis 12 happened 500 years before the moment in Joshua 24. In Genesis 12, this same faithful God tells Abram, who does not have a kid, he's 75, he says, hey, your offspring will have this land. Abram's probably like, bro, I don't even have a son. But God is faithful. And, and God is faithful in ways we don't really understand sometimes. And so God told the 75-year-old man, this land, Shechem, I got you. You'll have a son, he'll have a lineage, and this will be their land. 500 years later, Joshua 24, here we are on promised land talking about a faithful God. God's faithfulness has a past. So I wrote this down. I think this is worth sharing. We serve a God that will make a promise to you today that will impact generations to come tomorrow. And then tomorrow, whenever that is, that generation will look back and say, God's faithfulness has a past. Look at what he did for my mom and my grandma and for my great grandma. Come on, church. Are you tracking with me? Your yes today will determine the reality of God's faithfulness in the past tomorrow. Joshua 24, verse 14. This is God continuing to speak to the people. Here's what he says. So, fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. <laughs> but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today. Come on, everybody say today. today. Who you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But 
as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. God, through Joshua, is doing this. He is bridging the gap between the past and the present. So here's point number two. God's faithfulness is present. I I didn't want to just say has a present. I wanted us to realize that his faithfulness is here. I, I look around. His faithfulness is in the room. You have breath in your lungs. God, God your faithfulness is present. And in, this, in these verses, God, he makes a very strong case for why his people should choose him. Uh, the people are literally standing on promised land. In other words, the fruit of the covenant kept by God across hundreds of years. Why would you choose anything else? But, but we do, and, and they did. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're here today, and you came in, and you're watching, and you're, you're thinking, um, I'm good, I'm faithful, I, uh, that's not me, I, I'm not torn on my faithfulness to God, I'm aware, I'm what Joshua said there at the end, as for me and my home, we will serve the Lord, I'm in. Uh, May I draw a distinction real quick? There's a difference, church, between being faithful to God because of his faithfulness and then being faithful to God because of your own. Maybe I I can illustrate. (laughs) Can I talk about the next one more time? In 2012, there was a basketball player named Jeremy Lin who joined the New York Knicks. He became a guard for the Knicks, and y'all, as soon as he made his debut, he started crushing it. So much so that the term Lin Sanity was born. They used his name. I mean, I'm telling you, in New York, everybody was buying Knicks jerseys with Lin on the back. The papers were printing all about Lin. Two weeks went by. And New Yorkers started to actually believe this could be our year. We, we could win the gold this year. Jeremy Lin is carrying our team. I would imagine Spike Lee is crying, going crazy courtside. You know what happened three weeks into the Linsanity season? They began losing again. Bad, too. They began losing. And they realized, we as New Yorkers realized, Jeremy Lin is no savior after all. This, friends, this is what happens when we put our faith in our own ability to have faith. Um, When we put our faith in our ability to, quote, be good or be focused or our ability to come here every Sunday, read our Bible every day, all good things. But if your faith is dependent on your performance, then are you depending on God's provision? That wasn't in my notes, y'all. That's Holy Ghost, y'all. And so this is the tension that we're living in. I, I want us to be good, but I don't want us to worship goodness. God, how do, I, how do I put myself in a posture where I trust you more than I trust my ability to trust you? God, help us. Help us. And you know where we live, y'all. It's all about the individual. It's all about our capacity to do, just do it. Go be, go 
do. And, and God's just saying, would you look to me? My faithfulness has a past. My faithfulness is present. Mm. Well, we realize after a while that God doesn't only hold up his end of the covenant, he also holds up our end of the covenant. And we'll talk about that more in a second, but here's point number three. God's faithfulness has a future that has a past. It's present right now among us, in us, but it also has a future. I want us to listen to what the Israelites respond to everything we just read. I mean, God is speaking to them through Joshua. Joshua's making uh, his line in the sand saying, me and my family are going to serve the Lord. Here's how the people respond in verse 16. We would never abandon the Lord. Oh, the irony. And serve other gods. For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes as we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies. He preserved us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord for he alone is our God. Amen, indeed. Y'all, the people, I think they're attempting to draw a line in the sand as well. But what did they do? They didn't do our point number three. They didn't talk about God's faithfulness having a future. They spoke about their faithfulness having a future. And we got to be careful. They said, oh, we will never abandon him. We're in all the way. He's the God that this, 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 this. Our generations are going to know God because of us. Our faithfulness has a future. Two chapters later, Judges chapter 2, Joshua passes away. Here's what happens to the same people. Verse 10. After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook or abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them, and they aroused the Lord's anger. Okay, let's take a time out real quick. In the story that we're telling, we see tension I hope you see this, kids. I hope you even see this as well. Our God is, is faithful, but sometimes we, we mess up, don't we, kids? Uh, sometimes we, we say we want to do something, or we tell our parents we're going to do something, and we're going to be a certain way, but, but then we mess up maybe. Uh, this is the tension in our text. They're feeling the tension between God is this, and I want to be this in light of who God is, but man, it's hard. And then we start speaking more about our capacity to be faithful than we're speaking about God's capacity to be faithful. It's almost like we start looking at ourselves instead of looking at who made us. Again, there's tension. Because even you, I hope you, when you look in the mirror, you don't just see beauty because, oh my goodness, in the room there's beauty. 
I hope that you also see God. You see Imago Dei. You see the image of our creator. But you and I know good and well. If you and I play the role of God, even though we're in the image of God, ain't nothing going to go good, baby. This is the tension. So they walked away from God. And soon after, yo, in Judges chapter 2, remember the cycle? They become under attack. They realize life is not life without God. They cry out to God. And here's what God does in verse 16. Then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. God was angry, and he had every reason to be angry. I'm a dad, some of y'all know that. I have a beautiful two-year-old and another son on the way. And, and my two-year-old, he's so awesome and full of life, but when he doesn't do what I know is best for him, you know, I'm a Christian, but I, I, get, a little, I get a little tight, I get a little upset. I get a little upset. I can imagine the scale of raising up a generation after generation after generation, being faithful to them, giving them all that you got, guiding them, fire and cloud through the wilderness, giving them a promised land across hundreds of years. And two chapters later, after you said, oh, I love you, you're gone? I would be furious. Here's the difference between me and God. I act on my fury and typically do things that aren't good. God feels anger. And then out of his character, out of his faithfulness to his children, he says, of course I'm going to rescue them again. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we serve. He's faithful. And the good news today, if you haven't caught it yet, is that he's faithful, not relying on your faithfulness. It is not contingent on it. He just is faithful. So maybe you're here today and you're like, okay, I heard everything you said, Emmanuel, but what do I do? I, I am the person you're describing. I, I say to God, yes, I will give you my all if you just do this for me. And then he does it for me. And then I don't keep my word. Uh, maybe you're feeling the weight of your lack of faithfulness in, God, in light of God's faithfulness. Uh, maybe today you're like, I just need God to show me and remind me that he's faithful to me because I'm in a hard season in my life right now. And I don't see God's faithfulness as I look around. Wherever you are today, we all have a next step that we can take. Because as we look back on our lives, there's a track record of faithfulness from God to us. Hopefully, as we look around our lives, even though circumstantially it's bleak, I'm praying that God will give you eyes to see the fingerprints of his faithfulness even now in your family in your home, even when you look in the mirror, you see God's faithfulness. And then for the future, oh, this is the thing that paralyzes us as we worry about what tomorrow holds. My prayer is that we think less about tomorrow and more about he who holds our tomorrow in the palm of his hands. It's crazy. I, I'm telling you, you should try it. In some weird way, the more we think about God, the less we think about worry. It's bizarre. God doesn't necessarily tell us what's going to happen next. We just feel a comfort that he knows what happens next. 
And he is faithful, isn't he? What should we do with all this info? Uh, Better than me telling you or showing you, I want to read what the Hebrew writer says we should do in Hebrews chapter 10 and 23. He says this, let us hold unswervingly, love that word, to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Distinction time. He did not say, let us hold unswervingly to our swords and our bows. He did not say, let us hold unswervingly to our capacity to be good, to show up every day, to read our Bible every day. Hold on to your ability to be a good parent or kids, your ability to get good grades. Stop it. Those things are good. But David said it earlier, if you're doing it for faithfulness instead of from faithfulness, you're going to be crushed. The weight of earning faithfulness or right standing with God is not yours to carry. And I get emotional because someone did carry it. Someone did carry it. Remember earlier when I told you that God holds up his side of the covenant and ours? He did just that. Here's the last few verses of this story in Joshua 24. The people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God. We'll obey him alone. So Joshua made a covenant. Come on, y'all say covenant. With the people that day at Shechem, (laughs) committing them to follow the decrees and regulations of the Lord. Joshua recorded these things in the book of God's instructions as a reminder of their agreement He took a huge stone and he rolled it beneath the terebinth tree beside the tabernacle of the Lord. Y'all, there's so much here, but but here's here's the point of this whole text. Uh, When it says that Joshua made a covenant, the original Hebrew is Joshua cut a covenant. You can't make a covenant without blood. You know this? Somebody has to bleed in order for the covenant to be official. And so in our text right here, Joshua bled in order to make the covenant official, in order to to seal the commitment. You need to know today that there's a God that's so faithful and committed to you that he sent himself in the form of his son, Jesus, to carry the weight of sin, to live the life you never could and died the death that you and me should so that through his burial and resurrection we can experience faithfulness. Yes, true godly faithfulness now and for the rest of our days. Jesus held up our end of the covenant. So why are you trying to? Give it, surrender it, realize You and I will never be good enough to enter covenant with God and keep it perfectly. But Jesus knew no sin and became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. Can somebody say amen? That is good news. And friends, that is the gospel. This is why we live and breathe and have our breath. Jesus fulfilled the covenant. You know, interestingly, 
whatever Israel received in the promised land, they received it through the hand of Joshua. But everything that you and I receive from God today, we receive it through Jesus Christ, our Joshua. I'm, I'm going to give you some, some nuggets. The Greek name Jesus simply translates the Hebrew name Joshua. Their names are identical. God always had a plan to be faithful, friends. Maybe to the Israelites it was through Joshua, but now for us it's through the greater Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus Christ our Lord. He's always been faithful from the very beginning, right now and into the future. God and his faithfulness are present. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So here's the bottom line. Would you base your faithfulness on God's, not your own? Base your faith on God's faithfulness, not your own. Ooh, that's going to be a daily challenge for us. In through July 4th and this holiday weekend, in through the rest of this year and into next, God, allow me to find faith in your faithfulness and not my own. <clears throat> Would you pray with me? Uh, God, here we are. I love that in the room we have so many generations. We have newborns. We have kiddos. We have teenagers, young adults, parents, grandparents. God, thank you so much that your faithfulness has a past. Woo. Your faithfulness is present right now not just in this room, but all over the world. Thank God your faithfulness has a future. Lord, there's no one like you. <laughs> and Father, my prayer for your church today is that we will see ourselves in light of you. Oh, you, it's always been you, the one that takes our mourning and turns it into dancing, the one that takes our weeping and turns it into laughing, the one that takes our sadness and turns it into joy. Oh, you make beauty from ashes, God. You turn graves into gardens, oh God. There's nobody like you. And so today, here we are on this holiday weekend, Jesus, asking you, make us faithful, not because of our own capacity to be faithful, but because of yours. We look to you today, Jesus, as our king and the example of what faithfulness looks like. We love you, God. Through Jesus, we pray. Come on, everybody said.